Amen. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's worship the Lord. Those joining us online, we welcome you to the house of the Lord this morning. Let's sing this old hymn of the church. We'll understand it better by and by.
praise in this house. Amen. 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 You may be seated if you can during this time. We're going to ask the ushers, if they would, to make their way this morning. Uh, take our tithes and offerings immediately following this. We'll go into our time of greeting one another in the Lord. And, uh, and then to follow that, we'll have scripture and prayer this morning. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We glorify you. Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, thank you for the Spirit of God we already feel in this house today. Father, I pray, God, that every song that is sung, every note that is played, God, every message that was given would be for, Lord, the glory and honor of you. Lord, inhabit the praises of your people. Father, as we get ready to continue in worship with giving of our tithes and offerings, Lord, I pray you'd bless the gift and the giver. You bless those that have to give and those that do not have to give. If there's someone here today, Lord, that is providentially hindered and cannot give for some reason, Lord, I pray that at some point you'd bless them to be able to do so, so that they could just show their love to you. God, I pray today, God, that you would just let everything that is collected today be for the glorifying, upbuilding, and the advancement of the kingdom of God. And forever we will give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ's name we pray and ask the people of God together said amen. 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 During our meet and greet, will you bring it this morning? God bless you. sounds good. You don't have to stop talking. It sounds good hearing the people of God talk together and fellowship together. That's what it's all about. We love it. I do want to make, uh, as you're making your way to your seats, a couple uh, just housekeeping. Those that are doing scripture and prayer, if they want to be making their way uh, during this time, 
Uh, don't forget, uh, children uh, are in the back, so please, uh, if you have them, take them home with you and don't leave them here. Uh, let me say to all those that came to uh, the uh, Pillars uh, Ministries first meeting uh, on Saturday, I think there was about 11 of us total, something like that. It was a lot of fun. We, we got to laugh and just share stories. We had even guests. Um, uh, Sister Lila Faye's husband, uh, Brother Dubby, got to come out with us and get Amen. to swap uh, uh, military stories with all these guys. I didn't even know they are talking about. They're talking about coffee and stuff and all these different things. I just ate biscuits. I didn't really care. And uh, so, uh, you know, we'll be doing those things. So keep watching for those announcements coming up. But it was great to have uh, uh, him as well as many others with us uh, as well. To all those joining online, uh, you can, you know, obviously they know, but you can always stream online. Can we just welcome all our online uh, guests? We have quite a few with us today. Uh, we've got some streaming from the, the long-lost islands of John's Island today. They're out there in the water somewhere, but they're streaming in Oklahoma and other places today. Uh, let me say to those that are part of here, if you're their first-time guest, we're glad you're with us, uh, and we're glad to have you here. If this, if this is your second time here or more, you're not a guest anymore, just welcome home, we're glad to have you here, you're part of the family now, the first time you come, you're a guest, the second time, we need to know your address and what you like to do, we're putting you to work, so um, with that being said, also a couple just announcements, they won't be on the screen, uh, but they're just to give you, uh, there are new updated church directories that are uh, in the uh, foyer area, uh, they're out there on the table. Uh, there's a, the good problem is we have a lot of new people, and we have to get their addresses and phone numbers and so that you can connect with them. And so all your old directories are not going to have half the people in them anymore. So you need to get a new copy. We have them out there. If we run out, you let us know. We'll make more of them. But we have them out there for you to take so you can get connected to everybody. You all have connection team leaders. Uh, you'll hear from either Brother Randy, he's one of them. You'll hear from Miss Ann, I think she's in the back somewhere. Uh, Miss Sandy, oh, Miss Ann's back there, she switched seats on me. See, y'all can't do that. That messes me up. It messes me all up when people switch seats. I think people are absent from church, I'll send a get well card and they were here. You know, sign seats. But Miss Ann's one of them. Miss Sandy, who is with our children, uh, is one. And Miss Dale in the back. So somebody, one of those four uh, personnel, will always keep you informed of what's happening around this church and what's going on. Uh, with the church as well. Also, uh, we want to uh, make mention to you that if you have any old board games, Monopoly, Candyland, any of, we don't even have to have all of the pieces to them if you think, well, I got some in the closet, but I don't even remember if I got all the pieces. Great, we don't care, but for VBS this year, uh, we need uh, those types of things. We need the, the, the boards, the, the pieces, they don't have to even be in functionality. We'll super glue them back together, but if you have, you're trying to Spring clean and get rid of all your candy land and all your monopolies or trouble or checkers or what, whatever you got. If, before you take them to CLM or Goodwill, please talk to us because we're looking for those types of games, old uh, board games. If you need any more information, please see Sister Jennifer. Uh, she's kind of spearheading VBS with all of that. So make sure that you are mindful of that. Uh, other than that, let me just say what a beautiful crowd it looks yeah. like here this morning. I know some are working, uh, like Brother Jordy and others who are not here, but man, I don't know how many they have in children's church today, um, but man, it's a beautiful crowd. I always like it to see when there's not a lot of green in the building. That means somebody's sitting somewhere, so I love it. So we're going to ask Brother Mary, and he's going to come this morning. He's going to lead us in scripture and prayer, and immediately following him, Sister uh, Sherry is going to come and do our special uh, song today, and then we'll jump back into praise and worship. God bless you today.
Praise the Lord. Psalms 139. I want to read four scriptures, maybe five. O Lord, thou hast searched me, and he knows me. Thou knowest my downsittings, my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my laying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Verse 5. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. You know what that scripture is telling me? The Lord knows everything about us. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we know about the Lord. Um, praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. All of us pray. Ask Him to touch this service. Um, again, like my brother said, a wonderful crowd. Thankful for each and every one of you. And um, let's just praise the Lord. Let Him have His way. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, always for your love and your mercy and your grace. We're thankful, Lord, that we can come to your house, Lord, to worship you, Lord, in spirit and truth. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, that we can sing songs, Lord, that uplift you, Lord, give you praise, honor, and glory. Father, I pray, Lord, that you touch every part of it, Lord. Touch the teaching of your word, the preaching, Lord, as well, we pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that your word will settle upon the hearts and the minds of your people. Lord, that we might be drawn closer unto a holy God. Again, we're thankful, Lord, to be in your house, to be in your presence. Touch and bless every part of this service. And Father, we be careful to praise you and thank you for all that you do, Lord. Again, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
that all over the house this morning. Let's continue to worship the Lord this morning. This song just simply says, if anybody knows about the love of Jesus, I do. And I'm thankful for the love of Jesus. How about you, church? Lord, 
Lord, the song the Psalmist David said that he was glad to be in the house of the Lord and to worship. So, Lord, let this, let's, let this next song of worship, Lord, be our heart. We are worshipers today. We are here to worship you. In Christ's name we pray and ask. Jesus our Lord. Amen.
you today Lord we glorify you we magnify the name that is above every name that's the name of Jesus Christ our Lord father we come in this house we've gathered in this name to worship you father as that song tag so says Lord I don't know what I would be without you I love you because you care I could not imagine my life if you weren't there God that should be the heartbeat of every man woman boy or girl on the premises of this property or watching online today had it not been for Jesus there's no telling where I'd be today because God you loved and you cared you sent your son to die on Calvary's cross to provide a way of atonement for us and God so today we return that love and that devotion back to you in forms of singing lifting of hands lifting of voices and worship to say God you are great and greatly to be praised there is none likened unto our God. For he sits high above heaven and earth. The glory, the train of his glory fills the temple. The angels, the seraphims, the cherubims cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. But God, the word of God says there is no song like the redeemed of the Lord. And because no one can sweet as a song I'm singing today. For I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by blood divine glory. Glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now reside for I have been, I have been redeemed. And God, we worship you today because you are the redeemer of all mankind. You have saved us and sanctified us and glorifiedly set us with your Holy Spirit and given us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We worship you today, Lord, and we glorify the name of Jesus Christ today in this house. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And the people of God together said amen. Hey man, can you just give the Lord a hand of clap of appreciation and worship today? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated briefly. We're going to be in the book of Hosea, back in Hosea chapter number 1. If you want to go there, and we'll stand for the reading of God's word here in just a moment. But Hosea chapter number 1, Hosea chapter 1, we'll get you squared away here on the screens momentarily. But we're going to continue with this study uh, that we have been on called Endless Love. 
I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're living in a day and an hour where people need to know the love of God. Look, there's enough people out there, no offense, browbeating, putting unnecessary dude weight on people. There's enough people out there that's going to condemn, chastise. But what people need to know is the love of God. How greater far than tongue pen, uh, uh, can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest heights and the lowest depths and reaches to the lowest hell for the love of God. I'm telling you, there are people in this world, they don't need another brow beaten. They don't need another King James Schofield Bible to smack them over the head. What they need to know is therefore there is no more condemnation than them that know Christ Jesus because God is love. And anything I put under Calvary's crimson flow, it's no longer held to my charge. I'm I might have once lost, I must, once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then that light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love, and it wrote my name above when just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. I'm telling you, church, if you ever got a hold to that right now, we could have a church service here today. There's nothing greater than knowing that Jesus has saved us, and Jesus has redeemed us, and Jesus has made us whole today. So we want to continue that. Remember, we're still focusing this year on reach, disciple, and pray. One person, one family, and in one community at a time. That's our heartbeat, this property. Hosea chapter 1, verse 3. When you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read just a few verses. And Hosea went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Hiblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Notice the next one. And it will come to pass that in that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again, that's Gomer, and she bore him a daughter. And God said, Call her name Lo-Ruhamah. For I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them out. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah. We'll save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow or by so by bow or sword or battle, by horses or horsemen. But now when she had weaned Lo Ruhamah, she conceived again, third child bore a son then God said call his name Lo Ami for you are no longer my people and I will not be your God can I tell you that even God has a breaking point some of you in here say pastor I'm at my wits end I'm sick I'm sleepless I'm tired weary I'm frustrated can I tell you God understands because even God has breaking points but can I tell you that even though God has breaking points he cannot go but so far because his love holds him bound because even when God has a breaking point he can't stop loving you even when God wants to wash his hands and say I am done there's still the love of God that's just saying but if you come back I'll take you right back into the fold he cannot out a judge if you will his love so today I want to talk to you on this idea of the unforgettable names. The unforgettable names. For some of you in this house, it's depression. It's unforgettable. For some of you in this house, it's pain. Physical pain in your body. 
For some in this house, it's sleep, sleep deprivation, sleep apnea. It's unforgettable. For some of you, it's worry because you've got people in other states, grandchildren in other states, and family members that you know that needs to realize God is a sovereign God, but there's still that element of worry in your heart. For some, it may be sickness, migraines. In fact, Ashley Harley texted me just a few minutes ago. She said, sorry, Pastor, I know you're in church, but when you get up there, will you let the people of God please pray because my head is killing us, and I have a migraine it's just killing me. See, the reality of it is, for some people, it's migraines. For some people, it's cancer. That's an unforgettable word. When the doctor walks in and says you have cancer, you don't forget that real easy. For some people, it's divorce. For some people, it's an unbelieving spouse. For some people, it's wayward children. For some people, those grandchildren have names that you can't forget, but you know they need God. See, everybody in here has something that's unforgettable. But can I tell you, God also has some unforgettable names. He knows your name. It's been written down in glory. God hasn't forgotten you either. So for every cancer you face, for every trial you face, for every temptation you face, for every unforgettable thing the enemy brings to your remembrance, there's a God that hadn't forgot about you either, and He knows you directly by name just the same. He knows you too. Let's pray together. Father, Eternal Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach the unadulterated Word of God to the people of God. Help us to not only be hearers, God, but doers of this word. Lord, I pray today that you would minister to us and be with us today. God, I pray that you would allow us to hear from heaven, take a call from the altar of heaven, and anoint these lips of clay. Help me to speak just what Jesus has to say. Don't let our words be heard. Don't let it be me. Let it be you that is seen today. Father, I believe in you. I trust you. Let a word today, whether in song, word, or deed, God, let it today, let just chastise, change, convict, whatever, someone's heart. So even if they're online or in-house, let them leave today knowing, God, you came by to talk to them directly. Father, we will forever give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. Christ Jesus, our Lord, and the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord if you can. Endless love, unforgettable names. You see, for some of you in here, forgetting is not really that hard for you. <laughs> some of y'all don't even know what you had for breakfast this morning. That was only about four hours ago. Hello, preacher. If I, asked, if I pulled this survey and said, how many of y'all, what'd you have for breakfast? Some of y'all would have to sit down. You might even look at your spouse and say, what did we eat this morning? <laughs> you may not remember especially if you didn't cook it. For some folks, more so men, sorry men, but so more so men than women, some of y'all don't even know the date y'all got married. They're called anniversaries. I know they're hard to come by. But when somebody catches you and says, oh, well, how long y'all been married? You're like, oh, what was the date that the Cowboys played the Eagles in the Super Bowl? We got married that year. <laughs> you can remember every football game, the final score of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win you forgot your wife's birthday hello preacher that's good preaching even if you're not church of God today some of us forget birthdays we forget anniversaries sometimes 
You can be like me that's had that happen, and the wife walks in the room and says, hey, have we got any special plans today? And I said, no, not that I know of. Why? You're like, we don't have any. The more she asked that, that means I forgot something. And I said, well, what, what, what? And so one day I remember, and it was like, she was like, you don't know what day this is? And I was like, Saturday. <laughs> it's a day that ends in Y, Saturday. She goes, no. I said, what, it's not Saturday? We got new calendar systems? There's no more Saturdays in the world? She said, no. It's our six-month anniversary. I said, I stopped counting them at two. I couldn't remember the two-month month. I could certainly I couldn't remember when it was six months. I forgot the second-month anniversary. You know, I told him we got married. Don't judge the preacher. I told him we got married. I said, hey, we get married. We, are, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. We do anniversaries. That's too many days for me to remember. We got to narrow it down somewhere. I can't remember Valentine's Day and anniversary. Pick one or the other, whichever one you think I'll remember. But we got to stick with one. But we have a habit of forgetting things. Some of you... None of, actually, I back that up. I will never lay this cursing on any of you. None of you have ever done this. But there have been people that I personally know that have been searching for countless hours their house for their glasses. Some of y'all already feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now in your life. I feel it. I feel it in your life. But here's what happens. You search high and low. For hours to only discover they've been up here the whole time. <laughs> Forgettable. You know, I think it was, I think it was uh, Neil Diamond, if I remember. I might be wrong. You know, when you get up here and you start preaching, you forget names. But I think it was Neil Diamond that one time he wanted to let some love of his life know you're unforgettable. That's what you are. See, some of y'all, some of y'all forget things. I forget things. I forget all kinds of, I'll have to call Miss Carol or I'll have to call Brianna and be like, hey, dude, what am I supposed to be doing today? Because I know there was something I was supposed to do, and I don't know what that something was. And they'll tell me, or they'll say, I don't know, you know, whatever. My son the other day, I was going to be out of town uh, for vacation uh, for our anniversary, because I remembered this year when I got married to Brianna, so I remembered that it was on Saturday last year, so it's going to be on a Sunday this year. So I looked at the calendar and was like, oh, Okay, so we're going out of town for our anniversary next week, and, and I was telling Micah, okay, Micah, look, so the schedule's going to be a little bit different than it normally is with you and Dad and all this stuff, and I'm walking him through it, and he pitched a fit, and he's all mad because I'm not taking him with me, and I said, son, I'm so sorry, that's life, life's hard, then you die, it, things happen, you just get over it, you know, it is what it is. I don't like broccoli, but I still eat it because my mama still tells me it's good for me. I mean, you know, you know stuff happens, and, and we were going through this, and he said, well, did Miss Carol give you permission? He calls her Abu. He calls. He said, "Did Abu say that's okay?" I said, "What does Abu got to do?" He said, "Because she is your boss." I said, "Son, let me get this straight. Let me help you with something. Let me straighten this out real quick." I say that, but Abu's not technically my boss. Well, she. You say she is. So do you lie? I said, "It's more of a metaphorical speech that she keeps me what I'm doing, whatever." She said, "He said, well, I'd like to talk to her because I don't think she'd say it's okay for you to leave." And I said, you're not seeing Abu and D this week. You're going to go somewhere else. But you will not be coming to see Abu and D this week because I am not protruding or, or perpetrating that kind of poison in my life. And, and uh, he said, well, I don't think she'll approve of that. And I said, well, I'm going anyway. I've already bought the tickets. I'm out of here. But see, things in life, there are things that are unforgettable. He never forgot the one time he heard me mention that Abu was my boss. He's like, well, did she give you permission to leave? You see, as we continue this series on endless love, we come to an interesting section of the book of Hosea. Hosea has had many experiences, as which we talked about last week. We find the parallel of God's experiences with the people of Israel. 
Everything Hosea was going through with Gomer, God had been going through with the people of God. He, he equated this marriage union of Gomer and Hosea to the relationship with he and his people or, or the church. And he was referring to there's been times that the church people have played the heart. He wasn't talking about sinners, y'all. He was talking about the chosen people, God's people. He said there were times I wanted to be married to you, but the church people decided to do their own thing and not follow him. And so he gives them this equation. See, in the Jewish culture, names were important. They named you specifically to speak over your life prophetically. It was a, they didn't just go into the baby book and just randomly select a name. They, they thought about it. They, they prayed about it. They come to an agreement of why to call that person that by that name. You know, sometimes God will go to extreme measures to clearly il illustrate his message to us. Sometimes God has to just almost slap us in the face because we're too dumb to get the subliminal messages of God. So sometimes instead of God sending us these little subliminal messages, he puts it on big jumbotrons and slaps us in the face and says, do you get it now? I don't know about you, maybe you guys are more spiritual than the preacher, but there have been times in my life God had to really knock me down to get my attention because I wasn't catching on to all the other things. And eventually when I got knocked down, I look back and think, oh, I bet that a couple months ago, I bet that was God trying to warn me then. And then a couple months before that, that was God, but I didn't catch it. Now I'm flat on my back here, metaphorically speaking, because God finally had to say, let me just tell you exactly what you need to do. But sometimes we don't always get the subliminal message. So for some of you in here, I want to first talk to you about the impact of identity. Some of you have been living by a name God never intended for you to be called by. See, some of you are still carrying the, the identity of being a sinner, a cheater, an adulterer, a divorcee, a, 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 a fraud, an imposter. Some of you may be still in here today carrying the weight of some kind of sin. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I gave that up to Jesus. No, you might have given it to Jesus. The only thing you didn't give to Jesus in the process was the guilt you're still holding on to. You might have went to the altar and gave it to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm sorry that I cheated or I'm sorry that I, I lied. I'm sorry that I did this. And God forgave you that moment, but you didn't forgive yourself. And you're still holding on to it. And you won't let it go. And what it's doing is it's literally festering and eating and, and becoming a poisonous toxic in your body. And the toxicity of it is literally changing the very identity of who God wants you to be. God says old things pass away, but now all things become new. God specializes in giving new identities. God is the specialist of an identity crisis. No, this identity crisis we see in the world today going on with gender confusion and world confusion and, and sexual orientations and transgender and, and, and sexual change, that doesn't catch God by surprise. He's always had people that were given up to their reprobate mind. Romans tells us that. He's always known there's wickedness in the world because of sin. But one thing God does do is he knows how to take the identity of a sinner and give them a new change and call them a saint. He knows how to take someone that's lost and make them be found. God's a Specialist in identity crisis. He specializes in it. You know, when you first have a baby, everybody wants to ask, what are you going to name it? When they find out you're pregnant, what are you going to name it? What are you going to name it? What's the baby's name? What's the baby's name? I've always wanted to say, baby A. That's what you're going to name? Yeah. I, if anybody asks, what's the name of your baby? Baby. Like you named your baby, baby? Yes, I did. So people stop asking me what the name of the baby is. What's the baby's name? You already know it's baby. I mean, just, just leave it at that. I had a lady at, my, at the church I served at beforehand. I figured out how she named her kids. She named her kids. Had to be the places they were conceived because their names made no sense. She had kids like Savannah, Charleston, 
She had one called Houston. I thought, these are cities. That's where you got pregnant. Ain't nobody randomly pick random cities on a U.S. map to name their children. Come on, there's millions of baby books. Of all, you have like five kids, and they're all major cities. I didn't want her to have a sixth one because I didn't know she's going to call it New York. I didn't know what the new baby was going to be. I was like, man, you know. But she, everybody has these identities. They want to know what the baby's name is. We had a lady at our church. She loved nature. All her kids were nature things. Like her kid, her name was River Rain. Like her middle name was Rain. River Rain. I thought, you hate your children. You know, you go to the first grade and they ask you to tell your name. You got to tell your say full name, please. River Rain. You know some little kid's going to be like, that's not real. It was. It was actually on the biological certificate. It reminds me of the story of the lady and her husband that got that they were having a baby and they went to the hospital and the OBGYN was there and they were delivering the baby. The husband passed out on the floor because he couldn't deal with the trauma. Some of y'all might have been that guy. But he passed out. The mom's in excruciating pain and, and she she doesn't know and, and so she doesn't know what to name the baby and, and, and she's freaking out and all this stuff and so they just take the baby and they, they cart it off to the to the nursery and all this stuff. Well, when the birth certificate comes back, and the father reads it. So his mother and all the grandparents come in and, and they said, Well, what did you decide to name the baby? And they said, We named it for Molly Brown. He was reading female. Brown. There was no name on the baby. He thought the nursery named his kid for Molly Brown. He didn't know. He didn't know the wife didn't pick a name. He thought that was the name. So see, things happen. Identity crisis happen all the time. In the Bible, we have it all the time. There's some sons of David nobody's ever heard of. A guy by the name of Elishama. Nobody knows David's son, Elishama. He's not big. He's not Solomon. He's not Absalom. He's Elishama. But his name means God knows. When he had Elishama, it was during a season of time where David needed God to move on his behalf. And he had a child during that time period. He had a son called Eliada. God hears. He had that son when he was a vagabond running away. He had a son called uh, Eliphalet. That literally means God will deliver me in times of distress. There's also the son of Phineas and the grandson of Eli that was when his mother was being into travail and labor and about to die, Phineas' wife, because she had heard her father-in-law had died, she had heard that her husband had died, she goes into labor, and right before she dies, she named her child Ichabod. Because she knew that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken over and she had lost all of her family. So she named her child, the glory of God is no longer here. Rachel, on her deathbed, knowing she's in travail, has a son and she names him Benoni, the son of my sorrow. But Jacob did not want him to live with that identity forever, so he changed the name to Benjamin, the son of my right hand, or the son of power. The name Jesus comes from the root word Yeshua, where we get the word Joshua, but also the word Hosea. That literally means Savior. When Hosea marries Gomer, they are given three beautiful babies. Jezreel, Loruhamah, and Loami. So let's talk about that. The first son was named Jezreel. So I want to talk to you about the danger of displacement. You see, the Bible says, Forsake not the assemblings of yourselves as in the manner of some, but come together with exultation and songs, and come together as the people of God. In Hebrews. The danger is not when we're a coalition together. Yeah, to the devil, the more we're together, the more dangerous we are to the kingdom of darkness. 
the danger for you comes into place when you leave the safety of God's people and the huddle of God's. This is like being sheep corralled in a pen. When you leave out of here and you go out there on Monday and we're not there with you, that's when the danger of displacement, when you start missing church, when you start missing Bible study, when you start, I'm not talking about once in a while or if you have an appointment or, or you got sick family. or you. I'm talking about when people get out for months because it only takes one month and then it'll turn into two months and then two months will turn into six months and six months will turn into a year. And before it's all said and done, people will be years departed from the presence of God and they don't realize the danger of where they are from being displaced. The devil, his specialty is to isolate and quarantine. That is what COVID did. If anything else COVID did, it tried to shut up the people of God by keeping us all away from each other. We had to try to use social media platforms. I've told you this many times. I had to preach to an empty room. There was many times during the COVID season I literally sat right in this auditorium and I sat here with nothing. It was just a camera and blank seats. And I thought, I sure hope to the good Lord somebody watches this or I have wasted my time to do this this day. Because I'm talking to myself like a schizophrenic in a padded room with no hope for getting out. And I, I didn't know what to do. And I was just talking and like, because I couldn't see the camera, like who's on the other side of the computer. And I'm like, oh God. So what I do, I got depressed. I made the band come in and said, y'all going to suck it up and sit in here and listen. There's enough of y'all. Y'all can spread out and wear your mask. But you're staying here. Don't you leave till I'm done preaching. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, and then I didn't really make them stay. But I, I wanted to say that because I didn't want to be alone in this big old building. But, but I learned through COVID, one of the things is the longer you stay apart, the easier it is to stay apart. Because there's some people that are connected to this house never came back after COVID started. I got people right now I could take you to the pew in this room where they sat every Sunday and every Wednesday. COVID-1, I call it COVID-1, round one, hit. COVID's now been, you know, kind of died down to the point of people are back to living life, if you will. And those people, Brother Jeff, never came back. Still at home. Have no intentionality of returning to God's house. You know why? Because they got displaced. And they liked the feeling. It became a habit. It became easy. They stayed away so long. It's dangerous to be gone. That name Jezreel literally means to be scattered or to be displaced. What God was telling, he was giving a, a prophetic message to northern Israel saying, if you do not repent back to God and you don't give your heart back to God, God will scatter you. He, you God will allow your kingdom to disintegrate and he will literally displace you all over the world. You all will be all over the place, no longer together. You see, the strength of any nation is its unity. United we stand, but divided we fall. The strength of a nation is its unity. When people become fragmented and divided, the strength of force is removed and everything else starts going in different directions. And when you have a bunch of people tugging in different directions, no progress ever gets made. Displacement. You see, can I tell you though the strength of a church is just like that of a nation. The strength of a church is its unity and its oneness. One Father, one faith, one Lord, one bed. The strength of a church is when we're on one mind and one accord. How pleasant, the Bible says in Psalms 1 and 33 and 1, how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. The, the key element of the strength of the body of Christ is our oneness being together. You see, when sin enters the camp and a church refuses to address it, and we begin to just let it, you know, if you will, just be on the wayside, we start losing our effectiveness as a church. We start losing our credibility in communities. Because what people see is 
what the church says and used to say and believe. Now they're compromising on that, and so the world doesn't know what to believe because they're like, if the church don't know what to believe, how are they going to tell us what to believe when they can't even get it right at their house? That's why the Bible tells us that judgment doesn't begin out there. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. How can we tell them how to live when we can't get along with each other? How can we tell them how to have successful marriages when we hate our own marriage? How can we tell them how to raise godly children when we don't try to bring our children to church because we want to be their friend rather than be their parent? How can we tell them to how to make sure that their children make heaven when everything else but heaven and church matters to them as the people of God? How can we tell them how to have a loving relationship with Jesus when we don't have a loving relationship with Jesus? How can we tell them how to read and pray and seek the face of God when we don't know how to read and pray and seek the face of God? How can we tell them the power of fasting when we've never fasted? How can we tell them the power of redemption when we haven't experienced redemption? How can we tell them that God's a God of grace and mercy when we don't show the God of grace and mercy? How can we tell them there's hope for all mankind when we condemn all mankind? If they can't see it here, then how are they going to believe us when we're out there? They think we can't get along. They're certainly not going to come to the Hatfield and McCoys of church and get involved in the family feud. More people get hurt and displaced because of the family feud inside the house than anybody done to them outside the house. I've heard the old adage, oh, blood's thicker than water. It may be true, but words do hurt and they do damage. And nobody else may know it, but first time guest, Brother Jones shows up. And here's us bickering and arguing and fighting in the church and arguing and get, can't get along. Brother Jones may not know that next week we'll go out and eat pizza together on Friday night. All he remembers is we couldn't get along and it damaged him for the rest of his life. There are going to be some people one day that's going to stand before God and there's going to be a lot of blood they are going to be accounted for on their hands because they did not do what God intended for them to do and display to his house. So then we know that true revival only start when repentance is involved so Hosea and his wife Gomer have a daughter her name is Lo Ruhamah her name literally means no more mercy can I tell you that it is miserable it is miserable when you can't find peace in your life you may not some of you here may not know this and you may not you know have ever experienced it and if you haven't God bless you but I have been in places where I could not seem to find rest in anything, in my mind, in my spirit, for a season of time. It was like everything, it was I had no appetite, I didn't want to eat. It was just everything that seemed to be, that could go wrong was going wrong. And, and there was just a season of misery. I'm going to tell you that a life without the mercy of God would be miserable. We better be thankful God is a God of mercy. Because the Bible tells us when this thing wraps up and the great tribulation takes place and God removes his mercy and he pours out the bold judgments and he starts letting the wrath of God be poured out on this earth, you ain't seen nothing yet, honey, of the wrath of God. You think it's bad now. You just wait. If you stay here and you don't go to heaven and get raptured out of here, you ain't seen nothing yet because the wrath of God ain't nowhere close because the mercy of God's still reigning right now. There's many a days God's been at his breaking point, but he's pulled back the reins because he's still a loving and a merciful God. But there will come a day God will no longer show mercy. He'll show mercy. Here's the reality of it. The impact of that. The word merciless literally means to be cruel, heartless, mean, unmerciful. God was literally saying, I'm not going to show mercy anymore. 
That was his prophetic word to Ephraim. I wonder how many times, I won't put him on the spot to answer this question, but Brother James Falk and I have had this question many, many times. He has asked this question, and I have not had an answer, and I have asked him this question, and he hasn't had an answer. We both just back and forth like a ping pong ball. But the question is centered on this, and when I was putting these thoughts together, I wrote this question. How many times has God given the United States of America a warning call or a wake-up call that judgment indeed may be just around the corner, and we did nothing but ignore it. We ignored it. We didn't try. We just kind of looked at him and went, whatever. You may not have said it directly, but our actions said that. We're not afraid. We're the nation under God. <laughs> no, we're not. We might have one day said that and one day been that, but we're Right now, we're nowhere close to being the nation under God. We really should be. We're not close. I wonder if God is sitting in heaven. He's getting ready to declare, Lo Ruhama, over the nation of the United States and say, I'm tired of giving you mercy. You don't listen, so I'm just going to let you have it, and you do it your way. But when he removes his hand and he, we, he allows us to do it our way, I'm going to tell you it's not going to be a pretty ending. It won't be pretty. Can you imagine what a day without the mercy of God would look like in your life? Imagine if God tomorrow said, that's all the mercy you get. You're not getting any more for the rest of your life. What life would look like for you for the rest of your life? That divine intervention of leniency or clemency. What would that look like? You see, imagine every time God was ready to send judgment, if mercy wasn't standing in the courtroom saying, that's enough. Let's don't go any further. Moses pled for, the, pled for the mercy of God, for the people of God. When God was getting ready to wipe out Israel, he said, God, what will everybody else say if you do this? And mercy intervened, and he relented from his decision to annihilate Israel. Samson needed mercy as he's blind, holding on to the pillars of the temple of Dagon, being embarrassed by the Philistines. He literally says, God, if you will just have mercy on me one more time and give me the strength to take out and avenge the enemies of Israel. And he pushed the house down. But it cost him his own life. Even though he begged for God's mercy. He had to pay the price of his own life. Samson needed it. David longed for it when Nathan shows up and tells him he's the man. When David said kill the man that stole the ewe lamb. And then the Bible says Nathan says you're the man. David longed for it. Oh God have mercy on me and my child. It cost David, though, his son died seven days after birth. Blind beggars sat on the wayside all throughout Jericho and Samaria and the outlying cities as they heard Jesus passing by, declaring and yelling to the top of their voice, even against the, the ruthlessness of the crowd, even against the church people trying to silence their praise, they'd get even louder and say, Jesus, son of David, have Demons in hell even asked for mercy. Jesus is standing there with a man full of legions. The demoniac and says, we are legion for we are many. And Jesus is getting ready to cast them out. And even demons in hell want the mercy of God. Well, how do you find that in scripture, preacher? Because the demon said, oh God, please don't send us away. Send us to the pigs and let us inhabit them. But please, God. what are they doing? They're asking God for mercy. Even hell knows 
There's nothing like the mercy of God. We sing a song that says this, I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome your goodness and mercy, the power of your blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done, but the goodness and mercy, the power of your blood. See, I'm telling you right now, we better be thankful that God is still a God of mercy. And I want all of you in here that may still be living under unforgettable names to realize that God has been merciful to you. You don't have to live under depression anymore. You don't have to live under the name of a broken marriage anymore. You don't have to live under the name of chapter 13 filed for bankruptcy anymore. You don't have to live under the name of being a liar or a cheater or a conniver or a deceiver. The mercy of God sent Jesus Christ down from heaven's portals to die for you. The devil can remind you all about your past, but you quickly remind him of his future. And say, he who began a good work is faithful to complete that which he has started in me. You have the mercy of God on your side. The endless love of God is truly summed up because of the mercy of God. The mercy of God. You see, one man explained mercy like this. He said, imagine a hardened criminal about to die in an electric chair. Right before they're getting ready to do the switch. The warden's son walks in, undoes the shackles, sits down, puts himself in the chair and says, I'll take it from here. That's what God did. You and I were to die for our sins and Jesus stepped in and said, but I'll step in instead. Then I started thinking about Loami. His name means you're no longer my people. I don't know how many of you under the sound of my voice have ever felt like you've been rejected. There's no more gut-wrenching feeling than when you feel like everybody's turning their back on you and nobody wants to be near you. I've had situations in my own life, I've had situations in my family's life where it seemed like the only people that were around us were us. Everybody else peeled inside. The people you thought were friends were not friends. The people that said they were your relatives, they turned out to not really, they might have had your blood, DNA, but they weren't around when you needed them most. Brothers and sisters, they might be biological, but they just bailed on you when you needed them most. So what happens is rejection. But I'm going to tell you one of the worst rejections is not with your own family, not even with your friends. When I put this up here, the rejection of relatives, I'm not talking about the biological ones. One of the greatest hurts is when one of us hurt the other. The rejection it feels when... Someone like Brother Randy and Brother Larry have a moment of dissension, a disagreement. But instead of either agreeing to disagree or working it out, it causes a divide in the family of God. And that rejection, that severance hurts. That cutting of the cord hurts. It's excruciating. God literally said, you're not my people. Can you imagine if God looked down from heaven and said, I don't even claim you anymore as my own. How that would feel. The guilt of that. See, sometimes there are things in our lives we can't explain. There are things we don't, but it's a terrible feeling. Miss Carol, as you make your way. But I don't want to leave you hopeless. I told you the crisis of identity, of names. Some of you are living under bad names. Holding on to guilt. I covered the three children of Hosea. We talked about the, if you will, the... Danger of displacement with Jezreel, the scattered. 
We talked about the misery of merciless, which is Loruhamah, the, the daughter of no mercy. I just talked to you about the rejection of relatives or, or being rejected, not my people of Loemi. That's not how the story ends. That's the names. That's not how the story ends. Hosea chapter 6, verse 4 says this, O Ephraim, what should I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? Your goodness is as morning cloud and as the dew that goes away. But if you read chapter 6, it's all about coming back to God and saying, I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've done. And when the people of Israel in chapter 6 came back to God, God said, oh, I've been waiting for this moment. So here's what I want to tell you as we get ready to close. There is something about the emergence of endless love. Even when everything looks bad, God's still good. And when even everything, you've got rejection, you've got no mercy, you've got not my people, you feel like your life is fragmented and scattering and torn apart. There's a God that, goes, that specializes in putting things back together. He takes broken pottery and makes it whole. He takes scattered people and he mends their broken hearts. A broken and contrite spirit God will not despise. What are you telling me, preacher? I'm telling you no matter what you've ever done, no matter what you've ever said, no matter whatever lie that devil has perpetrated over your life if you give it back to Jesus and you get it under that crimson blood there is an emergence of endless love the Bible says God will say oh how I love you I've longed for you I've wanted to be with you that's what God wants to do he wants you he wants you can you see it he said I'm, I'm willing to still be your God I'm still willing to be your people. One songwriter says his mercy is enough. His grace is unending. See, I want to tell you today as I get ready to close today. Some of you, you have some unforgettable names. Names that you may not want it to want to remember. Some of you may be embarrassed if people knew really your backstory. Some of you may say, gosh, Pastor, if people really knew my past, they knew the names I live under. They think about me or they look at me differently. I came by to here today to tell you. We sing a song here about a new name written down in glory. I come by to tell you today, just as much as sometimes people don't let you forget who you used to be, there's a God in heaven that knows exactly who you can be. And he does, he has it. You can make your bed in the depths of hell, but God will always know where you are. He hasn't forgot about you either. So when you say, Pastor, I'm at my wit's end. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I, everything's falling apart. I come by to tell somebody today that to God, you're unforgettable too. And God knows you by name. And he knows exactly what you need. And you're at the right place no matter if you feel scattered and fragmented. No matter if you feel like you have no mercy that's been displayed. Even if you feel like God may have even rejected you. I come by to tell you God is still screaming from heaven's portals come back unto me I long to be with you he has not forgotten where you are he's not forgotten you there's the problem though 
have you forgotten where he is? He hasn't forgotten you. But have we, Brother James, forgotten him? He's not forgotten about the United States. He's not forgotten about the government. He's not forgotten about the church. The Bible said he'll have a remedy. He hadn't forgotten. But have we forgotten? Have we forgot who he is? Have we forgot what he did for us? Have we become complacent in our lives? Pastor, you don't know what my marriage is like. You don't know what my children are like. You don't know what my job is like. No, but he, he does. God sees everything, the end from the beginning. He does. You don't know, Pastor. I don't need to. God does. He's got it. Well, Pastor, I don't know anybody else that can help me. It's just one of those things I'm going to have to deal with. That's the biggest lie the devil can tell you. No, it's not something you just have to deal with. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. For his yoke is easy and his birth. Don't let that devil tell you there's nothing you can do about it. You're just going to have to deal with it. No, there is somebody that's a load lifter and a burden bearer. He can do something about it. But are you willing to give it to him? Are you willing say God here it is here's my cancer here's my spouse here's my grandchildren here's my healing here's my miracle God here it is here's my sleep deprivation here's my anger management here's my back pain here, here it is and are you willing to give it to him and let him take it from there are you willing to give it to him does you no good to come up here and give it to him and then pick it back up and take it back with you though when you give it to him leave it there leave it there there's so many people in this world they need to know that there is a God that has not forgotten them a God that has not forgotten them I just got a text a few minutes ago from Brooke Cincinnati they're in the ER right now with Mason due to not eating and drinking and just fluids and just a mess they might be in Cincinnati and feel like they're on an island all by themselves. But I'm going to tell you, God ain't forgot where Mason's at. I may not be in Cincinnati right now, but I know somebody who can get there even faster than I can drive to the airport, get on a plane to get there. There's one, somebody that right now, as quick as I snap my fingers, can walk into a room and say, I'll take it from here. Hello? Seen it done before. If we don't believe it, then why we preach about it, why we sing about it, why we pray about it? If we don't believe it, let's just go home and not even come back next week. But if we ain't going to believe it, there ain't no point meeting together. But I believe he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above that which my mind can think or comprehend according to the powers of Christ that work within me. I believe he can do it like that. There's some of you in here today, you need, you need forgiveness to pop in just like that. You need marriage just to snap back into place just like that. You need finances to come in just like that. You need children to come back into alignment with with God or within their family. You need homes to be restored just like that. You need grandchildren that are on the verge of, of making bad decisions to right back into the, the fold of God's house. There's some of us online, and no doubt, as well in this house, we need a moment with God, just as mention of His name. But I don't, can't answer that question. Only you can. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's my question, one and done. Two, actually, I always want to give someone the opportunity to know Jesus. There's somebody in here today that doesn't know Jesus, Lord and Savior of their life, and they want to give their heart to Jesus Christ and become, for the full pardon of their sins, and become a part of the family of God.